0: It's Friday, January 7th, 2022, the 352nd day of dystopia. Truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Fewer people are convinced by the story each day as they see the central narrative more and more for the fiction that it is. The time for allowing them to make us feel like strangers in our own country is over. We are Americans. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. This is the end game. I wasn't sure if I was going to want to talk about the whole stage production that we had in Washington, D.C. yesterday in celebration of of the anniversary of January 6th, the Uniparty's last hope for winning the hearts and minds of the American public as they attempt to convince people to usher in the worst of all conclusions for themselves. And since their story about what happened on January 6th of 2021 does not map onto reality at all. They are left with spectacle. The only problem is they are really, really bad at spectacle. They have some of the most incompetent and uncharismatic leaders that our country has ever seen. And so let's get started with the woman pretending to be vice president, Kamala Harris. American spirit
1: is being tested. The answer to whether we will meet that test resides where it always has resided in our country, with you, the people. And the work ahead will not be easy. Here in this very building, a decision will be made about whether we uphold the right to vote and ensure free and fair elections. Let's be clear we must pass. Voting rights bills that are now before the Senate. And the American people must also do something more. We cannot sit on the sidelines. We must unite in defense of our democracy in order to form a more perfect union.
0: Now, I suppose it should be said right from the top that one of the reasons their story is so unconvincing, besides the fact that it is all based in provably anti-factual nonsense, is that they talk to people like children. Kamala Harris multiple times talked about the American people in that clip. And I know you can't see it, but that's always when she grins like, hey, we like each other, right? And she's always kind of Bouncing her shoulders a little bit. Like she's trying to add some sort of emotion or authenticity to the words that she is literally, clearly reading off a teleprompter. And obviously, I understand most politicians read their speeches off teleprompters, but there's a sense in which it seems like it's the first time that she's ever seen it. I mean, there's almost no way in the world you can believe she wrote it. And there's Someone just randomly walking by in the background in the next room over. It's just so strange. And her plea there is for everyone to feel the emotion that they're generating in remembering January 6th, which was primarily staged by federal law enforcement. And if you find that hard to believe, I encourage you to look up all the work that Julie Kelly has done in American Greatness over the last year, and then read the few major pieces about January 6th from Darren Beatty at Revolver.News. And you will see that the story of January 6th isn't at all the one that CNN showed you. It's almost like when CNN used to tell you that masks were going to save lives. So you had to wear them. And now they tell you, nah, you know what? It turns out masks don't work. The disease changed. Now we understand that it's an aerosol, whereas you didn't understand that the whole time. But everybody else understood it from about May last year. But Kamala still wants your emotions. She's trying to generate emotions. She's trying to form a real human bond with you with her little smirks and smiles. And once you get all those emotions, well, what do you have to do? What you have to do then is you have to support this illegitimate government. Fully taking over elections so that they can never be removed by the people in direct opposition to the Constitution. And that is one of the most confusing things about this piece of legislation that they're attempting to pass. H.R. 1, the Voting Rights Act, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. They have like six different names for it. Whichever one you connect with will be just fine. But the strange thing about it is that they know they are taking away state control of elections in. In violation of the Constitution, a legitimate Supreme Court would overrule that law immediately. But they're dependent on two things. One, they can delegitimize the court by trying to pack the court, expanding the number of justices and putting their own people on the court. And you can see how their own people act when they're on the court. I was listening to some of the Supreme Court testimony or, you know, the litigation Sorry. Today, over the vaccine mandates and the OSHA requirement and the justices appointed by Democrats were just speaking a litany of counterfactuals like that vaccines were the best way to keep people healthy in the pandemic. And just yesterday or the day before, they don't know, there were 750 million cases of coronavirus and, you know, they eventually realized it was 750,000. Big difference, but okay. It is also, of course, the Cron, the Omicron, which virtually no one has died from. And which the vaccine people admit the vaccines don't protect you from. But they don't seem to care about that. They still say they still use the logic that this is the best way to protect the American public. And somehow that emotional plea that we must protect people, which is, by the way, not the case, but they're claiming that the law and all of the precedent must be overridden because this situation is so much different. It's unprecedented. Justice Sotomayor actually made that claim that America has never faced anything like this, except America has faced things like this, and they've never forced people to accept being injected with an experimental gene therapy that is not a vaccine in violation of the Nuremberg Code and under threat of losing their livelihood. So there is reason already to be suspect about the Supreme Court. And of course, there's plenty of reason before just today to be suspect of the Supreme Court. But a legitimate Supreme Court would overrule H.R. 1 almost immediately. So what is the hope for Democrats if they want to win the 2022 election? Well, they would like to pass H.R. 1 at the right time so that the law could not be contested before the Supreme Court Before the elections, because they would want to do the same thing that they did in 2020: set a whole bunch of rules in place, tie those rules up in litigation, allow the election to happen under those rules because the courts haven't blocked them. And by the way, there were instances where the courts did block them and they still carried through with them anyway, like in Pennsylvania. And then after the election, they said, well, we must count all votes. And you know what? I know you told us to separate the votes that you told us we couldn't count, but the thing is we didn't separate them. And now there's no way to cure this. And so we're just going to go ahead and certify and we're going to give these electors to Joe Biden, even though Joe Biden didn't win. And that's just going to be how it is. See that we used the law. You couldn't stop us. So I guess it works, Right. That's fair. That's good governance because we got our way. And so that's what they are obviously going to try to do with the H.R. 1 nonsense, because the Constitution specifically gives the power to govern elections to the states, not the federal government. And the federal government is nonetheless trying to steal that power. It is antithetical to the Constitution and it is antithetical to the purpose of the Constitution. But they don't care. And if you don't agree with them, ah, you're racist.
1: Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them where they were and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault. Dates that occupy not only a place on our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7th, 1941, September 11th, 2001,
0: and January 6th, 2021. January 6th, 2021 was exactly like Pearl Harbor and 9-11, according to the fake vice president. Is she trying to imply that Pearl Harbor and 9-11 were false flags? I mean, I would love to hear why she thinks that she can come on the show anytime and tell me why she thinks that 9-11 and Pearl Harbor were false flags like January 6th was. And now what do I mean by false flags? Because one of you is probably like, okay, well, I think you're pushing it a little bit. A false flag doesn't have to be an event that didn't happen. It's not like a completely false story that was just made up. A false flag is an event where they take the story and then use it for something completely different, where they twist the actual event to help achieve a political goal. And that actually does happen quite a lot. But let's remember the story that we were told last January about what happened on January 6th, right? Trump brought all of these terrible MAGA racists To Washington, D.C. to help him stage an armed insurrection and a coup. They were there so that they could force Congress to overturn the results of a free and fair election. That's what they said. And Donald Trump gave his speech. He ended up starting it about an hour or so later than he was expected to, which threw off the scheduling of the FBI's program, completely. It's so weird. The Capitol breach started before Donald Trump's speech even ended. How did it happen? And they said that Donald Trump encouraged all his supporters to go storm the Capitol when what he actually said was, we are going to march down to the Capitol peacefully and patriotically to make our voices heard. Well, that sounds kind of different. For instance, it doesn't sound anything like this clip from 2020. Clear that I, I know that there are protests still happening in yes. major cities across the United States. I just not seeing the reporting on it that I that right. I had that's right. for the first few weeks.
1: That's um, right. But They're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. And that's they're not. This is a movement. I'm telling you, they're not going to stop. And, and everyone beware. Because they're not going to stop. It is going to they're not going to stop before Election Day in November and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't they're not going to let up and they should not. And we should not.
0: So that was late August, 2020, three months after George Floyd died from a fentanyl overdose with a police officer kneeling on his shoulder. And that was after three months of burning and rioting and looting and attacking police officers up in Portland. They were using lasers to try to burn out the retinas of law enforcement personnel's eyes. No big deal, right? Kamala Harris actually was tweeting to get people to donate to the uh, Minnesota Freedom Fund because they needed to bail out the people that burned down police precincts and stores, and looted Target. They couldn't let those people suffer in prison. They needed them to go out and riot the next night. And, you know, as I was trying to remember if it was the Minnesota Freedom Fund or the Minneapolis Freedom Fund, I just Googled it, and a Snopes fact check came up. And so I'll take a second to share this with you. The claim that Snopes is fact-checking is during protests over the police in custody death of George Floyd in the summer of 2020, Kamala Harris donated money to a Minnesota nonprofit that helped protesters who were arrested get out of jail and break more laws. And Snopes rated that mostly false. I wonder if that was the genius guy at Snopes or his porn star wife. I'm not sure which one. So here's the part that's true. Harris expressed support for a nonprofit called the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which pays criminal bail and immigration bonds and encouraged her supporters to donate to it during the protests over Floyd's death in the summer of 2020. However, this is what's false. Harris did not donate money to the nonprofit before, after or during the protests, according to its records. Additionally, no evidence shows people who received bail or bond assistance from MMF for arrest during the demonstrations committed more crimes after their initial detainment. Isn't that so nice? So they just disproved a claim that nobody made and was also irrelevant, Okay, so Kamala Harris didn't donate. Got it. Except she tweeted so that other people would donate. That indicates some level of support for bailing out violent rioters from Minnesota jails. Isn't that crazy? You can say something that actually happened and it turns out it's totally wrong, according to Snopes. But let's get back to last January 6th, right? So Trump told all of his supporters to go storm the Capitol. That was what we were going to do. We were going to go overtake the federal government and we were going to install Trump as emperor. (laughs) That's what they would like to have us believe. Now, while Trump was still speaking, unindicted co-conspirators like Ray Epps and like the BLM Antifa activist, John Sullivan, who was later walking through the Capitol peacefully with a woman named Jade Sacker, who is a documentarian, and then they appeared later on that night on CNN with Anderson Cooper. Neither of them have been arrested or detained or imprisoned like the other political prisoners from January 6th. I wonder why not. But side note, John Sullivan actually was forced to pay back the money he received from news organizations for filming his activities in the Capitol on January 6th one of those, by the way, was the murder of Ashley Babbitt. But we can get to that later. And no one has gone after the leader of the Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes. And isn't that strange that these people are assets of somebody that's protecting them from the same awful treatment our DOJ is inflicting on plenty of other peace-loving, patriotic, and innocent Americans. Now, again, I say this a million times. Everybody has to say it. It's so ridiculous. I don't support people attacking police officers. Okay. I don't support a violent overthrow of the federal government. Okay. That's not what people were there for that day. The violence was initiated primarily by the people whose goal it was to breach the Capitol. And number one among those was Ray Epps. The violence was also initiated by the Capitol police and the DC Metro police. And all of that is on video that you can see literally anytime you want. If you don't believe me, except you can't see all of it because while there are 14,000 hours of security camera footage from around the Capitol that day, we've gotten about four hours. And by we, I also include the defense attorneys for the political prisoners currently being held in terrible conditions in Washington, D.C. jails. What happens when all of that video comes out? Well, I guess the story wouldn't change entirely, wouldn't it? And if we had that sort of investigation after A legitimate government replaces this illegitimate one. I imagine we'll see all that stuff and perhaps all the people responsible for planning and executing that event would be held accountable. But let's get back to the central narrative. In the central narrative, there were Confederate flags everywhere and people were scaling the walls. They were foaming at the mouths and they were calling to hang Mike Pence because they brought like a little tiny Replica of a gallows. Now, maybe you recall when Kathy Griffin took a photograph of herself with a little replica of Donald Trump's head severed from his body. Now, I understand that that's art, so it's okay. But did anyone actually think that the mob was going to hang Mike Pence? From a replica gallows that they carried on in with them. I don't think that's how hanging works. But they breached the Capitol. And all of the representatives in the Congress and the Senate, they had to retreat to their quarters to safety or not safety, according to Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who pretended that she was somewhere other than she was and that she was in. Immediate threat, not of being killed or beaten, but of being raped because she thought the violent mob was right outside her door when really it was just a security guard trying to take her to an extra degree of safety. And so the mob shut down the Congress and Senate. It was the most violent attack on our nation's capital in history. It was the Civil War in 9-11 and Pearl Harbor wrapped into one. And they didn't mention they failed to mention just must have been an oversight that the capital was actually bombed by a group called the May 19th Communist Organization who worked with the Weather Underground. They actually bombed the U.S. Capitol on May 19th, 1972. And as justification for that, of course, they had to have some moral righteousness. They are on the left, after all, when they execute political violence, it's always for a good cause. Well, they explained it by saying that it was in retaliation for the U.S. bombing raid in Hanoi. You got that? So something that happened during the Vietnam War, the proper protest for that is to bomb the U.S. Capitol. But don't worry. They warned people to get out first before they bombed it, which is how you know that it was real and organic and ground up and not something the government set up. Now, thank goodness they imprisoned people. For that bombing, one of those people was Susan Rosenberg, and she spent time in prison, 16 years, if my memory serves. And on Bill Clinton's last day in office, he pardoned Susan Rosenberg. And Susan Rosenberg has gone on to make up for this injustice, this bombing, her involvement in a communist terrorist organization. She's made up for it. How did she make up for it? You might ask. Well, She serves on the executive board of an organization called Thousand Currents. Thousand Currents is the fiscal sponsor for Black Lives Matter. They're the ones who make all the donations secret and all the taxes go away. That's her job. And it's amazing that Kamala Harris isn't promoting the bail fund for the people, the political prisoners rotting in DC jails from January 6th of last year. Why isn't she doing that? I mean, she should. Can she think about what these people might be able to accomplish in their lives? My, my, my. They could be pardoned someday by a Democrat president and then sit on the fiscal sponsor, the board of the fiscal sponsor for a new domestic terrorist organization. And that. I'm told, is very woke. So all the congressmen and senators, they all had to leave. And then a few hours later, after the police had some very nice and cordial conversations with the people inside the Capitol, which we also have on video, literally on video, Capitol Police telling people, hey, you can walk around, you can protest, just try not to mess anything up. Okay. And then the QAnon shaman, he stood in all his might in Nancy Pelosi's special spot. It's an insurrection. Except the thing is, how come none of those people were armed? Isn't that a strange, strange way to attack a federal government in an attempt to overthrow it? They did not recover one. Single firearm. That is why they keep talking about how people were being beaten with flagpoles and sticks and other violent, deadly weapons. That's always what they say, right? They give the two real examples and then they say other deadly weapons so that you assume there must have been guns. Merrick Garland used that phrasing yesterday. Now, eventually, the Congress and the Senate went back into session. And they allowed two hours of debate in each chamber about the objections to the fraudulent electors. Now, there was supposed to be two hours in each chamber for each state, and there were six states, but instead... They just allowed two hours for each state, and that was enough. You know what? We're just going to do it in the middle of the night so nobody on TV can see, and that'll be fine. We made a deal. Both sides came together and made a deal. Isn't that great? So instead of having 12 hours in each chamber of people presenting the overwhelming and obvious evidence of election fraud, there was nothing. There was just images on your TV all night of people violently staging an insurrection. And then after the fact, we heard that Brian Sicknick, the Capitol Police officer, was beaten to death over the head with a fire extinguisher. The New York Times told us that the only problem with that story, of course, is that it didn't happen. And we were told that all sorts of other people died, but all sorts of other people didn't die. Ashley Babbitt was murdered after being shot at point blank range by a Capitol police officer named Michael Byrd with a very suspect reputation who had gotten in trouble before for leaving his firearm unattended in the bathroom at the Capitol. Isn't that strange? What could have happened with an unintended firearm inside the Capitol? Could someone have walked in who didn't have a firearm on them initially And then find his firearm and then do something bad with it. Yeah, that's exactly the sort of thing that could happen. But got to keep him on the job. Got to keep him on the job. A woman named Roseanne Boyland was crushed and beaten to death by police. Her death is being chalked up to an Adderall overdose. You got that? She was so pumped up for the insurrection that... This middle-aged woman of average physical stature wanted to get so jacked up on Adderall that she would just be like the Tasmanian devil, just spinning around and knocking police officers over. It was like her magical video game power. She would get all the way to Nancy Pelosi's special spot all by herself with that magical power that she gained from just downing 200 milligrams of Adderall, except that's definitely not what happened. And now there's video and you can see what happened. And there's video of the Capitol police beating all sorts of other women. Hashtag me too. And then, and by the way, still now we hear about four other Capitol police officers dying in the aftermath of January 6th as a result of January 6th cause of death, suicide. You got that? The very brave heroes in the Capitol Police were so shaken up by what the FBI did that they committed suicide. This is from NBC News on August 2nd of last year. Two more Washington, D.C. police officers who responded to the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol have died by suicide, police said Monday. Since the attack by a pro-Trump mob, four officers who defended the site that day have died by suicide. Officer Gunther Hashida was found dead at his home Thursday. The Metropolitan Police Department said Monday, and Officer Kyle Defreytag was found dead July 10th. And the article goes on. Does anyone believe that Capitol Police officers were so traumatized by their experience on January 6th, 2021, that they committed suicide? And do you believe that in the context of all of the newspapers and all of the government officials, including in the second fake impeachment trial? pretending that Brian Sicknick was killed with a fire extinguisher when we know he wasn't. Brian Sicknick died the next day in the hospital from what they tell us is a stroke. He was not murdered. Nonetheless, they put his body in the Capitol Rotunda. They had him lying in state during the second fake impeachment, a fake impeachment, by the way, premised on January 6th with the goal of making sure that Donald Trump could never run again, even while he wasn't president. You got that? They impeached him while he wasn't president. Memories, huh? So that, we are told, was the very violent insurrection. And that Very violent insurrection is the basis for everything the Democrats are trying to do. You see, you out there in the public, you have to understand how dangerous Trump voters actually are. Now, there have been no terrorist attacks from Trump supporters, and Trump supporters have not killed anyone in an act of domestic terror. The entire year that didn't happen. Isn't that amazing? Now, Trump supporters have been murdered by domestic terrorists, notably ones associated with Black Lives Matter and Antifa in 2020. That happened. Police officers were murdered by those same domestic terrorists. That also happened. They've invaded building after building, whether it's a government building or a Target store, and they destroy those places and threaten people. All of that happened. Except that's OK, because Kamala Harris supports it. Now, let's see what the fake president had to say. Him above us
2: over that door leading into the rotunda is a sculpture depicting Cleo, the muse of history. In her hands, an open book in which she records the events taking place in this chamber below. Cleo stood watch over this hall one year ago today, as she has for more than 200 years. Oh,
0: really? Well, why couldn't she keep a bunch of middle-aged people from walking through the Capitol after the Capitol police invited them in? Does Cleo not have that power? Also, it is really, really funny. When they tell Joe Biden that he has to go out there and give a very fiery speech, right? Because that is what the talking point was for all of the state media propaganda outlets. Biden went out and gave a fiery and passionate speech. And of course, Biden also doesn't write his speeches. No one in the world would ever ever believe that Biden is speaking his own words at virtually any time. In fact, you can tell when he's speaking his own words because they don't make any sense. That's the difference. When he's reading, it's iffy. When he's not reading, it's babble and nonsense. But they needed to make Biden seem strong on that day. So to do that, he just yelled his speech a little bit more than usual. Like Jen Psaki just gives him a pat on the ass before he walks out and says, "Hey, hey, Joe, uh, let's just go with the yell today. Make sure that there's uh none of that creepy whisper."
2: Symbolize the cause to destroy America, to rip us apart, even to symbolize the cause to destroy America to rip us apart even during the Civil War that never ever happened but it happened here in 2021 what else do you see a mob breaking windows kicking in doors breaching the Capitol American flags on poles being used as weapons as spears fire stingers being thrown at the heads of police officers. A crowd that professes their love for law enforcement assaulted those police officers.
0: I mean, maybe I should have just let the old degenerate pervert tell you the whole story. But there you go. Still repeating it. Not the same story, right? This is, I guess, factually closer because we know that no one beat Brian Sicknick over the head with a fire extinguisher and killed him. That just didn't happen. Bludgeoned was the word they used. Now someone threw a fire extinguisher at someone's head. Did it hit? Hey, who knows? You're going to assume it hit and that's all that matters. And the truth is he knows who his audience is. Well, he doesn't, but whoever wrote the speech knows who the audience is. And he knows the audience is very, very ignorant. And does not think for themselves. And so each and every one of them will be like, yeah, I remember when the police officer was bludgeoned with a fire extinguisher. It happened. It happened. It's kind of funny there, though, at the end, how he remarks that the Trump supporters actually do support police officers. Why would he make that distinction? Right. He's trying to make them sound like hypocrites, but. In doing so, he's actually admitting that their side is the one that doesn't support police officers, and they don't even pretend to.
2: My fellow Americans, in life there's truth, and tragically there are lies. Lies conceived and spread for profit and power. We must be absolutely clear about what is true and what is a lie. And here's the truth. The former president of the United States of America has created and spread a web of lies about the 2020 election. He's done so because he values power over principle, because he sees his own interest as more important than his country's interest, than America's interest, and because his bruised ego matters more to him than our democracy or our Constitution. He can't accept he lost. Even though that's what 93 United States senators, his own attorney general, his own vice president, governors and state officials in every battleground state have all said, he lost. That's what 81 million of you did as you voted for a new way forward. He has done what no president in American history, the history of this country, has ever, ever done. He refused to accept the results of an election and the will of the American people. While some courageous men and women in the Republican Party are standing against it, trying to uphold the principle of that party, too many others are transforming that party into something else. They seem no longer to want to be the party, the party of Lincoln. Eisenhower, Reagan, the Bushes, But whatever my other disagreements are with Republicans who support the rule of law and not the rule of a single man, I will always seek to work together with them.
0: Now, that is just straight up Orwellian nonsense. If you imagine that he is talking about himself rather than Donald Trump, it all makes sense. It is always good to hear their projection when they're making these statements. Always listen for that. Hey, what if he is talking about the exact opposite thing? And you'll be like, oh, got it. Okay, now that makes complete perfect sense. But it's also kind of amazing that he mentioned the Bushes in the same context as Lincoln, Eisenhower, and Reagan. Really? George W. Bush? Hey, Joe Biden. You're talking about George W. Bush, right? The guy that everyone hated, George W. Bush. Every Democrat in the world hated George W. Bush. George W. Bush was Hitler, right? George W. Bush led us into a war on false pretenses. Didn't George W. Bush steal two elections, according to all Democrats, by the way? And hey, I used to think that too, because being Attached and addicted to the central narrative is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing what brainwashing can do. But regardless of any of that, regardless of public perceptions about George Bush, why is George Bush friends with Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, and all the rest of them? Isn't it strange that people who have such diametrically opposed viewpoints, we are told, all such good friends with one another oh right i get it the central narrative that tells me that these are the people that show the the respect for american democracy together and it's not because they're all war criminals who have sold out the nation and that donald trump was clearly going to destroy all of them that cannot be the reason why they're all aligned right now now wait a second Dick Cheney was in the Capitol yesterday, standing there next to his very patriotic daughter watching Nancy Pelosi's little performance. And so all of the liberal media outlets, all of the state media propaganda, well, that's a moment of unification. Dick Cheney is no longer a liar and war criminal who profited off of Halliburton's exploitation of unnecessary and unending wars. Now he is the guy that is there to say responsible Republicans like me understand what a threat Donald Trump and his supporters are to our democracy. Very strong, Dick. Very strong. And let's also remember in that segment, The key point, the key takeaway is that Joe Biden wants you to know in, you know, very high volume that he is absolutely a legitimate president, no matter what anybody says, hey, I'm going to say this for the hundred thousandth time. I swear, everybody, I am really legitimate. Yes, I have approval ratings that are historically low. Yes, everybody in the country views me as absolutely the worst president of all time. And yes, more than half the country can see that I am illegitimate. But you got to understand that Donald Trump is a liar. And that's how you know. And also, you know, because 93 senators agreed and the governors in those swing states and the secretaries of state and the attorney generals, they agreed. Oh, I really, really got 81 million real legal American votes. And, you know, the funny thing about that is if you read David Pluff's book about how to defeat Donald Trump in the 2020 election, he wrote it in 2019. Pluff suggested that what the Democrats needed to do to win was get somewhere between 65 and 70 million votes. They needed 5 million new Democrat voters, right? That was the plan by Obama's guy in 2019, 65 to 70 million. And they thought they could beat Donald Trump with that. Well, where the hell did they get that other 11 million votes from? Exactly. Because David Pluff's plan was already supposed to allow enough cheating that they could win. All right. All of the processes that they were putting in place were already going to be put in place. They were already going to be used. But they, because they are egomaniacs and live in a bubble and have no sense of what the country actually wants, they had no idea. That Donald Trump was going to turn out 75 million plus voters and doing that in part is what made them cheat more and more and more, right? Hillary Clinton in 2016, we are told received 66 million votes. And so while Donald Trump's vote total rose at least 12 million above his 2016 total, Somehow, even though David Pluff's strategy was to convince some of those middle voters who just, you know, got sick of the Obama thing and wanted to try something else, right? Those middle America voters, those Obama Trump voters, they wanted to try something else. So they voted for Trump, but they can see how bad and racist and evil he is. And so they're going to come back back on into the fold. That was part of Pluff's narrative strategy they would bring those people back into the fold, except they didn't actually do that. They didn't bring anybody back into the fold. In fact, Trump performed so well in his four years in office that his vote total went up by nearly 20%. Okay. That's like everybody that voted for him in 2016 showed up and voted for him again, and he still got 20% more. All right. Now, For a few elections in a row, presidential elections, we've had around 130 million voters or votes, I should say. Who knows how many actual voters there are? 130 million votes. That's roughly around what we had in 2016 and 2012 and 2008 and blah, blah, blah. It's always kind of in that ballpark, right? I'm not saying it's always the same thing. But we are supposed to believe that that number rose by 25% in 2020. Just tens of millions of brand new voters who just found the mail-in ballots so easy to use that they finally got involved in the process and everybody was happy. It's so emotional. Oh, look, everybody has joined. Finally, we have everybody. (laughs) And somehow people believe that. Somehow people believe that the electorate grew by 25% in one cycle because they were so angry at Donald Trump, even though 12 million more people voted for him than last time. Isn't that a strange phenomenon? So David Plouffe thought we needed 65 to 70 million votes. Trump got 75 million, but honestly, probably a lot more. And so Joe Biden had to still win. And so on election night and in the weeks following, well, actually got to say the weeks leading up too, because the reason for early voting, if you haven't figured this out, is so that they can calculate who has voted, how much of their constituency has voted, which gives them clues about whose votes will not be voted that they can then apply to fraudulent ballots and it gives them an idea of how many votes they will ultimately need to win and where. That is why they do it. That is why early voting exists. It's not so single mothers and black grandmas with no ID can somehow figure out a way to vote. And if you believe that, I'm sorry, you are operating with a child's brain. So somehow, beyond pluffs, highest Aspirations, 70 million votes. Beyond that, they found another 11 million votes, right? There was so much excitement around Joe Biden. You could tell. I mean, not from any of his events. Some of them, zero people showed up, including one in Arizona. And then he would have other ones where he would draw chalk circles on the ground and everybody would sit in those places. It would make the space look like it was full. And then Of course, it was for social distancing so that they could save lives from COVID. They wore their cloth masks to those socially distanced events. And that is what made them very safe. And that's why no one died. No one who supported Joe Biden ever died of the coronavirus, except for, you know, all those people who died in the nursing homes and then still voted for Joe Biden. Did that happen in Wisconsin? Yeah. Yeah. That happened in Wisconsin. Do they have proof? Of course they have proof. Would I ever say anything like that and not know what I'm talking about? No. But Joe Biden was such an exciting candidate and people hated Donald Trump so much, except they didn't because his vote total went up by 20%. So that logic goes out the window. Joe Biden excited zero people. Everybody can tell. Everybody can tell that he is falling apart despite the media's best attempts to cover it up. There are mentions of his dementia in his own son's communications, okay? Everybody knows. It's not a right-wing conspiracy theory that Joe Biden has dementia and is falling apart and cannot think in complete sentences. That's just a fact. Just like it's a fact that Hunter Biden's laptop was very, very real and shows very, very real crimes and corruption all over the world for decades. Just Joe Biden selling out his country for millions and millions of dollars and setting up all sorts of corrupt schemes to enable the global communist agenda so that he could personally profit what a real president that guy is and by the way joe speaking of lies i remember you telling the nation on the debate stage that hunter biden's laptop was russian disinformation the only problem is that was a lie and you knew it but hey joe Tell us again how very legitimate you are. Give it to us in a fiery speech and then give us the whisper. Is that the
2: insurrection in this country actually took place on Election Day, November 3rd, 2020. Think about that. Is that what you thought? Is that what you thought when you voted that day? Taking part in an insurrection? Is that what you thought you were doing? Or did you think you were carrying out your highest duty as a citizen and voting? Former presidential supporters are trying to rewrite history. They want you to see election day as the day of insurrection. And the riot that took place here on January 6th as a true expression of the will of the people. Can you think of a more twisted way to look at this country, to look at America? I cannot. Here's the truth.
0: So naturally at the beginning there, he's talking about uh, Donald Trump referring to November 3rd, 2020 as the real insurrection. These are clips that I'm using from the great Midnight Rider. She always clips this stuff down so well. And I think she was using that one partially as a joke. But Joe Biden is actually advertising Trump's talking points, which is fantastic. I mean, he lives in these people's heads so much and they think that their point of view is so powerful and carries so much sway with the American people, that they actually think that they can repeat Trump's talking points and say, (laughs) but nobody believes that. (laughs) That's just what Donald Trump thinks. And that the country will actually be on their side. They just gave the full logic for why Trump is right. The insurrection did take place on November 3rd, 2020. But the thing is, Trump doesn't say that it's all the voters who participated in the insurrection. Donald Trump would never say that the insurrection wasn't carried out by voters who voted for Joe Biden. Those people made a grievous moral error that very likely will stick with them as a source of shame throughout their lives. But they're not guilty of insurrection. They just cast a really stupid vote. The insurrection was carried out by the Democrat Party on behalf of foreign interests in collusion with countless organizations and people. It was a system of fraud participated in by everyone from the world's wealthiest corporate oligarchs to leading politicians to local election workers like Ruby Freeman, who was caught on video committing election fraud and the state media propaganda outlets told us, don't worry, that story's been debunked. Here's Brad Raffensperger to tell you why it's not a problem, even though Brad Raffensperger's in on the crime. Donald Trump would never accuse the people of insurrection. From state court to
2: the United States Supreme Court. Recounts were undertaken in state after state. Georgia, Georgia counting its results three times with one recount by hand. Phony partisan audits were undertaken long after the election in several states. None changed the results. And in some of them, the irony is the margin of victory actually grew slightly. So let's speak plainly about what happened in 2020. Even before the first ballot was cast, The former president was preemptively sowing doubt about the election results. He built his lie over months. Wasn't based on any facts. He was just looking for an excuse, a pretext to cover for the truth. He's not just a former president. He's a defeated former president. Defeated by a margin of over seven million of your votes in a full and free and fair election.
0: Uh, Hey, Joe, uh, did you hear about the whistleblower who was being paid to ballot harvest in Georgia and how there's five other states where that happened and they actually have all the proof and evidence of it already? Maybe you missed that. Or maybe you are just using the yelling thing to convince the child brains that are actually watching you speak, all 12 of them, that the whole election fraud scheme isn't actually falling apart except the problem is it is and you mentioned that audit and you said that you actually got more votes after the audit except that's not what happened at all that was just the result of a hand count and that counted the fraudulent ballots in with the non-fraudulent ones the rest of the audit report said specifically that there was no way the election should have been certified and that there are literally hundreds of thousands of questionable ballots and fraudulent ballots in an election decided by eleven thousand five hundred votes or maybe it was eleven thousand eight hundred. Don't quote me on the number. All right. I'm doing my best here. But this is just lie after lie after lie. I guess if you yell the lie, maybe it's more true. And then, of course, there's the possibility that Joe just has absolutely no idea.
2: They're betting that democracy's days are numbered. They've actually told me democracy is too slow, too bogged down by division to succeed in today's rapidly changing, complicated world. And they're betting. They're betting America will become more like them and less like us. The betting in America is a place for the autocrat, the dictator, the strong man. I do not believe that. That is not who we are. That is not who we have ever been, and that is not who we should ever, ever be. <clears throat> our founding fathers, as imperfect as they were, set in motion an experiment that changed the world.
0: This whole thing about our democracy is so strange. Literally, no one on our side is trying to change our system of government in any way. We don't want the Constitution changed. We want it followed. That's literally them all the time. They want to change the Constitution all the time. Joe Biden is talking about how our side thinks democracy moves too slow. And so we want an autocrat and a dictator. And it is an autocrat and dictator saying this. An illegitimate president is saying these things. But one of the things that slows down the process is the filibuster. And Joe Biden and his Democrat communist colleagues are trying to get rid of the filibuster so that they can put into place a voting regulation that literally flies in the face of the Constitution and its intent. And then of course he has to call the founding fathers racist at the end or else Twitter will be mad at him. The founding fathers imperfect as they were, that's how we describe it now. Yeah. Well, we used to call them out for being slave owners. Now we just say they're imperfect because the truth is <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, I was uh, I was mentored by a clansman. Uh, <coughs> a clan clansman. <coughs> I was mentored by a Klansman. <laughs> I gave the eulogy for a Klansman. I'm Joe Biden, and my mentor was a Klansman. A former Grand Cleveland and exalted Cyclops of the Klan, Robert Byrd. That's my mentor. I'm Joe Biden. <laughs> vote for me. And if you don't, <laughs> well, we're just going to make you vote for me.
2: former president who lies about this election and the mob that attacked this Capitol could not be further away from the core American values. They want to rule or they will ruin. Ruin what our country fought for at Lexington and Concord, at Gettysburg and Omaha Beach, Seneca Falls, Selma, Alabama. And as a surfer, he explored the beaches of Southern California from La Jolla to Leo Carrillo and up to Pismo. He died. He died as so many young men of his generation before his time. In your wisdom, Lord, you took him. As you took so many bright, flowering young men at Quezon, at Londock, at Hill 364. These young men gave their lives. So Donnie.
0: I mean, honestly, who does he think he's talking to? He sounds ridiculous. And then right after that clip, he actually, like, tries to read again and realizes he started his sentence with the completely wrong tone and then almost loses the whole thing and then just says what?
2: From the death and destruction, as the vice president referenced in Pearl Harbor, came the triumph over the forces of fascism. From the brutality of Bloody Sunday and the Edmund Pettus Bridge came historic voting rights legislation. So now let's step up. Write the next chapter in American history, where January sixth marks not the end of democracy, but the beginning of a renaissance of liberty and fair play. I did not seek this fight brought to this capital one year ago today.
0: <clears throat> but I will not shrink from it either. It actually is kind of amazing that Joe Biden wants to take the mantle of Lyndon B Johnson, right? He's talking about the Voting Rights Act. And maybe that's a uh, apt parallel because Joe Biden of course was mentored by a Klansman and Lyndon B Johnson couldn't stop saying the N-word and actually admitted that the benefit of signing the Civil Rights Act despite a filibuster from his Democrat colleagues was that we would have those N words voting Democrat for the next 200 years. And Joe Biden, coincidentally, if he is able to pass this HR one voting legislation, we'll have everybody voting Democrat forever except of course for when they decide that they need to create the the illusion of an opposition to uniparty rule and then they elect people like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and Mitt Romney so that it seems like there's some sort of contest of ideas while they both both parties lead the country in the same direction and so Joe Biden wanders away off stage and Later on in the day, it's Nancy Pelosi time, so she does her big show, and part of her big show is an appearance from the cast of Hamilton, the Broadway play, the, the Broadway musical, sorry. Hamilton, they brought the cast of Hamilton, and here's what they did by Zoom, of course.
2: To begin the conversation, we're privileged to have a contribution from one of the great creative talents of our time, Lin-Manuel Miranda. May his beautiful words be an inspiration to us. Among the words he said in the music, we'll make it right for you. If we lay a strong enough foundation, we'll pass it on to you and we'll give the world to you. Lin-Manuel and his father, and the, the uh, Hamilton singers, who we'll hear from, said that they were all very honored to be asked to participate today. I call your attention to...
0: A new year brings hope for the future, new energy to face the tasks ahead of us, and a renewed promise to strengthen the foundations of our democracy. We are all stewards of the American experiment working to pass down to our children and our grandchildren a more perfect union that treats all its citizens with fairness and equity. We should never take our rights and liberties for granted, and we must remain committed to finding a way forward together. That's what I wrote about in the song Dear Theodosia from Hamilton. Well, my heart has been warmed, and it was especially heartwarming to watch him read that 30-second speech off some screen in front of him as he filmed himself at home. But here's the real treat. I'm dedicating every day to you. Domestic life was never quite my style. When you smile, you knock me out. I fall apart and I thought I was so smart. You will come of age with our young nation. Does anyone know if it's possible to be dragged off to the gulags for insulting Hamilton? Because that was awful. I never saw Hamilton and I have never wanted to see Hamilton because Hamilton seemed like obviously terrible to me. Like, oh, you guys are all pretending to like this bad thing because you think you have to because you're going to pretend that you know something extra about history, but also you're very sensitive to racial issues? Sure, sign me up. That sounds like a great way to spend $7,000 or whatever those tickets cost. But that was absolutely awful. And it was terrible looking, of course, because they tried to make it like an exciting visual production as well. But hey, child brains. Take your masks off for a second, right? Try to remember the before times and then try to think about how you would feel if adults in leadership positions were treating you like toddlers who needed a stern speech followed by something uplifting, followed by a very, very bad song. That's like an afternoon in kindergarten. (laughs) But what am I saying? They're the adults in the room, always the adults in the room. We were promised that everything would be so much more responsible as soon as they took over. Well, here is the statement today from the true president, Donald Trump, who is actually now the adult in the room. What we witnessed yesterday was the last gasps of a corrupt and discredited left wing political and media establishment that has for decades driven our country into the ground, shipping away our jobs, surrendering our strength, sacrificing our sovereignty, attacking our history and values and trying to turn America into a country that our people can barely recognize. These radical leftists in Washington care nothing for American democracy. All they care about is control over you and wealth and riches for themselves. But they are failing. No one believes them anymore. And the day is quickly coming when they will be overwhelmingly voted out of power. Joe Biden's voice is now the voice of desperation and despair. His handlers gave him that speech to read yesterday because they know the unprecedented failures of his presidency and the left wing extremism of the Pelosi Schumer Congress have destroyed the Democrat Party. Part of their panic is motivated by the realization that, just like the Russia collusion hoax, they cannot sustain the preposterous fabrications about January 6th much longer. The truth is coming out. But for them, the worst part of it all is the knowledge that the American people are seeing right through their phony media event, which despicably compared a Pelosi-led security failure at the Capitol to the darkest days in American history and the deaths of 3,000 Americans. The people see right through that sham. They see a cynical politician who ran for office promising unity, who is now doing the most divisive thing possible, slandering his political opponents as domestic terrorists, just like insecure dictators do in communist countries. The American people also see that January 6th has become the Democrats excuse and pretext for the most chilling assault on the civil liberties of American citizens in generations. It is being used to justify outrageous attacks on free speech, widespread censorship, deplatforming calls for increased domestic surveillance, appalling abuse of political prisoners labeling opponents of COVID lockdowns and mandates as national security threats, and even ordering the FBI to target parents who object to the radical indoctrination of their children in school. And this week, January 6th, is also the Democrats' excuse for trying to pass a radical federal takeover of state election law. They are trying to ban voter ID and other basic measures that can ensure the sacred integrity of the vote. The reason the Democrats are doing all of this is not because they believe they will win a fair and honest election. It is because they know they will overwhelmingly lose one. Remember, I am not the one trying to undermine American democracy. I am the one trying to save American democracy. And of course, he is exactly right. That is a very strong statement. The sort an adult would make as opposed to the sniveling, pathetic, insecure justifications Joe Biden was giving for how he really is the real president and no one anywhere should ever doubt that. And only crazy people do, to be honest, except, yeah, it's more than half the country now. And finally, before I finish, I want to put this on your radar because this was a big development last night. This is from uh, Aaron series Substack called injecting freedom. Aaron Siri is an attorney. The headline here is instead of FDA's requested 500 pages per month, court orders FDA to produce Pfizer COVID-19 data at rate of 55,000 pages per month on behalf of A client, my firm requested that the FDA produce all the data submitted by Pfizer to license its COVID-19 vaccine. The FDA asked the court for permission to only be required to produce at a rate of 500 pages per month, which would have taken over 75 years to produce all the documents. You got that? Pfizer and the FDA wanted 75 years to produce The documentation and the data on which the FDA based their decision to approve, approve the Pfizer vaccine. I am pleased to report that a federal judge soundly rejected the FDA's request and ordered the FDA to produce all the data at a clip of 55,000 pages per month. This is a great win for transparency and removes one of the strangleholds, federal Health authorities have had on the data needed for independent scientists to offer solutions and address serious issues with the current vaccine program issues, which include waning immunity, variants evading vaccine immunity. And as the CDC has confirmed that the vaccines do not prevent transmission, no person should ever be coerced to engage in an unwanted medical procedure. And while it is bad enough that the government violated this basic liberty right by mandating the COVID-19 vaccine, the government also wants to hide data by waiting to fully produce what it relied on to license this product until almost every American alive today is dead. That form of governance is destructive to liberty and antithetical to the openness required in a democratic society. In ordering the release of the documents in a timely manner, the judge recognized that the release of this data is of paramount public importance and should be one of the FDA's highest priorities. He then aptly quoted James Madison as saying a popular government without popular information or the means of acquiring it is but a prologue to a farce or a tragedy. And John F. Kennedy, as explaining that, quote, a nation that is afraid to let its people judge the truth and falsehood in an open market is a nation that is afraid of its people, end quote. And he goes on with the judge's order below that. I will just take a second before finishing and note that both those quotes go directly to what I was speaking about yesterday, right? Those are both about the withholding of information and withholding information is just one form of censorship. Obviously there are others But the idea here is that by choosing what people are allowed to know and not know, what they're allowed to read and not read, see and not see, you actually make it impossible for our democracy to progress. People must be informed about what the government is doing so that they can make the best decisions for themselves, their family, their community, and whatever other priorities they might have in mind. While they cast their vote and Kennedy's quote, there could not be more true. The government, the illegitimate government as it exists now is deathly afraid of the people knowing the truth, because when the people know the truth, the illegitimate government crumbles and all of those criminals get exactly what they have spent their lives avoiding. That is why they seize power. That is why they act this way. The whole thing is corrupt. And truth in the hands of the people is an existential threat to them. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. Don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's noon! Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm Your Moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm Your Moderator. The substack is I'm your and the merch site is cancelcouture.com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash I'll see you next time. Out on the rain.